so good to see you spaced out as we are. And you know, one thing that I've noticed with us spread out like this, because we have to be, is that you have to clap louder, you have to sing louder, and you have to do amens louder, okay? So can I get an amen? Amen. All right, that's the level we're looking for this morning. Thanks, Dan. And you can laugh as well if it's worth laughing at. But how good is it to be back together, worshipping and praying and fellowshipping together? And, you know, um, Shelley and I, we, we, we love this church. We love you. We've missed you all. Did anybody remember to wear crazy socks today? There is a few. That's good. Awesome. This was Claire's idea, but it was a good one, and uh, she was really encouraging a little bit of fun this morning. I went looking for crazy socks, and all I could find is Star Wars socks. They have stormtroopers on them, and uh, that doesn't reflect my spiritual state, but um, it, I've got them on, and it's exciting to be here. I just want to give a, before we start, I want to give a huge thanks to you, church, for uh, the way that um, you know, you've stayed with us and you've connected together as much as you can. I want to give some uh, special mentions, though, to our staff that have been working hard. You know, we had to, we had to pivot at the last moment and change things. Uh, like, it was every day felt like something different was going to happen, right? And, uh, and we had to adjust as we went. So thank you to Kerry and Adam and Steve and Beck and Nathan and Chris and Shelley and our interns, Sam and Jake, have been working hard as well, all our ministry leaders that had to adjust and change things for their ministries. I want to give a, a special thank you to Mark for leading the team, the creative team, and the worship team through that phase as well. And uh, there's three guys who have worked so hard on the back end here of the church to, to, uh, to get things happening online for us technically. And even this morning, they're still going and we're still learning as we go. But um, Dan and Jared and Jason, I just want to thank you guys. Can we thank them and Mark and others as well? And for you know, the elders, they've kept their enthusiasm for the vision that God has given us and for all of you uh, for joining us online each week. And for those of you at, at home even today joining us online, welcome to you. It's great that you can join us. Wow, so much has happened. So much has happened. Some things for you to note, extra announcements, if you will. Um, the month of prayer and fasting is, we're in the middle of it. July is a month of prayer and fasting. I, I, you may not have received that message because we haven't been together, but that's what we've been doing because we want to, we're kind of coming back together. It's like a bit of a refresh in a sense as a church, and we want to start with God. We really want to know what it is that, um, that he wants for us, and we're trying to hear his voice, and we want him to move powerfully here. So we've already had two Wednesday nights here, and I want to encourage you to come on a Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.15. It's short, but it's powerful. And pray with us if you can. We'll spread out, take your names, we hand sanitize, we do all those things. Um, there's only two Wednesdays to go. We can have up to 125 in here. That would be good, wouldn't it, for a prayer meeting? And so I encourage you to come to that. Pick at least one of the remaining two. I mean, we're here every Wednesday night. You should come to them all, actually. But I'm just saying, July, it's special. We'd love to have you here with us if you can. We've been fasting on Wednesdays, and we end the fast after the prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. Going forward... You'll need to register each week. I know that's a little bit of a pain to do, having to let people know you're coming to church, and that holds, kind of holds you accountable, doesn't it? Once you put your hand up and say, I'm coming, we've got your name. And um, so maybe it's a good thing. But each, when, each Sunday, you'll be able to register for the, during the week for 
the Sunday that's coming up. In fact, you can do that when you get home today. Don't do it now, not a good time, but after the service this morning, you can go on and register whether you're going to be here for 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock next Sunday and going forward from there. Does that make sense to everybody? Good. Uh, I've got some great news. You know, we have started a building program here. We're building um, a new building right next door here. It's going to be a youth and kids focus. It's going to be awesome. Um, you know, the plans for that are already done. In fact, you can see them over here to your right-hand side if you want to see them after the service. The good news is that this Thursday we got our development approval from Morton Bay Regional Council. Isn't that exciting? We want to thank the Lord for that because we've been praying for that and you know there's always hurdles to get through and they came back to us a couple of times. It was reasonably minor stuff, thankfully. They're actually excited for us too. You know, to have a, a, a council, a local shire, excited for what we're doing is a great thing. They think it fits in well with their plans for this area and what we're doing because we're, we've got a community focus going with this development. So that's great. We're in good shape financially. I want you to know that as well. Um, but just before we get into James today, I, I'm also aware that you know, we've been celebrating. We're back together today. It's exciting. I'm also aware that many of you here today, you probably, it's been a difficult time. It's been hard. You know, perhaps financially hard, perhaps uncertainty around jobs, or, or you're a business owner, or you're high up in a, in a company some, somewhere, and you've had to make lots of hard decisions. And I know that that weighs heavily on many people. And so I want to just take a moment to pray before we start. I want to thank God for what he's doing, but I want to pray for you all as well. And uh, you've been on my, on my mind, on my heart. And, uh, you, you know, you might be mentally a little exhausted today. And, uh, and so... Um, you know, we're here to, with you. We're all here together. But let's start by just focusing in, bringing these needs to the Lord. So God, this morning, before we, we open your word, we start by saying thank you. You know, th- this is a good country to be in, God, right now. And we have to thank you for that. We thank you that we are blessed and for leaders who have done well. You know, whether we... We agree with those leaders or not, we're in a good position, God. I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that we're able to meet here this morning. Many can't do that around the world, even in our country. So we say thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the things that you've perhaps taught us, you know, even in the difficult times. You are there. You know, that song we always sing, Waymaker. You're, when we can't even feel it or see it, we, we know you are moving, that, that you're working, God. So we say thank you for that. God, I want to pray for those here this morning that, you know, they've been through a difficult time now for months. I lift them up to you. We pray for your spirit of refreshment in them today, for your spirit of comfort. And God, we pray for wherever there is a need, we bring it to you. And we ask that you would meet that need. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. God, we, we, we praise your name. We thank you that you've kept... Um, your church all around the world, including here at Hills, um, together and safe at this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there'll be a prayer team after the service, by the way. You know, they were so hungry to, to be here today and to pray for you, so you should take advantage of that immediately afterwards. I'll let you know when the time is right. So we're in week seven on a series called James. I wonder if you've been following along at home. I hope you have. I think there's probably about three or four weeks to go in this. It's, ten, it's gone longer than I thought it would. Uh, but, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm happy with that. I hope that's okay. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I found 
this kind of slow movement through James to be quite transformative, actually. And, uh, you know, I guess being the preacher, you're in it a little bit more, maybe. You know, you're wrestling with it through the week, so maybe it's more me. But I hope that that's the case for you. You know, it's probably my pragmatic nature that appreciates um, James's style of teaching. You know, he's kind of simple in how he brings um, the challenge to us. And what I've found is that as I've gone through it one section at a time, you know, it's just, it's really shaping me. It's really shaping me in these different areas. And, and you know, isn't that the whole purpose of why we study God's word? We, you know, because it changes us. You know, we become more like him. This is the theme of James. Knowledge of God's word is important, but knowledge alone doesn't shape us into his image. You know, it's, it's a little... Worth if it's only knowledge, if we're only reading the words and we can recite them. According to James, he's saying, well, where's, if I can't see it in your actions, then what's kind of, what kind of faith is that? You know, he's really blunt. He says, well, it's dead, isn't it? It's like a dead faith. I just want to make this point clear to you again. The original readers of this letter, they... They had come from a Jewish background. I know Paul would often write to Gentile churches. James was, he kind of had these new Christians who come from a Jewish background in mind when he wrote this, this letter. They knew God's moral law really well and they lived it well. And yet he writes a letter to them so he, he sees something missing, doesn't he? There's something lacking in their faith. So all throughout James, there's this call for those to love people perhaps more to see people who are less fortunate than us in a new light, for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in every part of our life, you know, to love peace and righteousness. Those things are all through the book of James. And if you're like me, you grew up reading James and reading about good deeds, and perhaps you immediately thought of, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm serving around the church you know, morally, I'm, I'm, I'm right, I come to church on Sunday, I'm tithing. Um, you know, doing the good deeds, and all those things are good deeds, by the way. They're important. But when you read James slowly, you see this theme that there's a, there's a life transformed, there's a character change that happens when we encounter the risen Christ, and, it, and it's revealed. You know, people around us can see it. And if you've grown up in the church like me, this is a good letter for us. It's written to, to us to challenge us about our, how, how our faith is revealed to others and maybe it asks us to have a good look at where our faith sits here, the transformative heart that's supposed to take place. So the question I've been asking each week, if you've been following me along online, is do the people around you know that you love Jesus? You know, from your actions and the, the way you speak to people and the things that you do. Not just your declaration of faith, yeah, that's important, but by how you practically love the people like Jesus called us to do. Do the people around us see that? Because if people can't see that evidence, James is saying, again, his word's not mine. He says, your faith, oh, it's, it could, maybe it's dead. <laughs> it's, not, it's not faith like you think it is. I've gone very quiet in here today. <laughs> Remember I said, ah, oh, that's good, okay. Loud amens are okay. Let's get into this passage. James chapter 3. 
Last week we did the first section of chapter 3. We're starting at verse 13 today. So here's what he says. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works for the, with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and, and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You know, James often, you know, he's blunt on these things. You remember last week or the week before, whenever it was, he says, sometimes the things that come out of your mouth, they're straight from hell. And this morning he's saying, this is, these things, jealousy and selfishness, are de- demonic. For whatever, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peaceful, uh, peace-loving, gentle at times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy, the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Good stuff, isn't it? You know, uh, they often say James is a, is a book of wisdom. It's actually kind of hard to preach from it sometimes because he jumps around a lot. There's lots of, it's like Proverbs in some ways. You know, lots of great little golden nuggets. I'm trying to link them together is my job. All right. Today's message is called the, the measure of true wisdom. And when you consider those around you, who do you think of as wise? Who are the people? If I said to you, who are the wise people that you perhaps listen to or that you admire or look up to? Up to? Who, who comes to mind for you? You know, is it kind of um, the really wealthy people in life, the successful people, you know, like an Andrew Forrest or a, a Bill Gates? Do we, do we think of them as wise? Maybe we do. Is it certain political leaders? You know, they've had some kind of success. Probably won't name any names there this morning, but do you think of any of them as wise? Is it academics? who amaze us with their knowledge and their intellect. You know, maybe you've got a relative. There's a grandmother or an uncle. And they're just like, the, when you don't know what to do in life and you're looking for wisdom, they're the ones you go to. Maybe you've got someone like that. I've got a few people in my life that I look to as, as wise people. But I wonder what the measure of true wisdom is. And also, where does it come from? Where does this wisdom thing come from? There is obviously a difference between what the world considers to be wisdom and what God would consider to be wisdom. I imagine there's some overlap. After all, we're all made in God's image, so we're using the intellect he gave us. There's probably wisdom whether you're a follower of God or not, but God's idea of wisdom would have a lot of differences, and we need to understand and look into what that might be. Without God, who is Lord over all, I think there's, there's always going to be something missing. You know, we're going to start making decisions that we think are wise that don't align with him. We see that, don't we? We see that happen in the world all the time. But I like what James says at the very beginning of verse 13. He said, if you are wise and understand God's ways. In other words, the first measure of true wisdom is understanding God's ways. That seems pretty obvious. It's where wisdom begins. But in no way is where it ends because understanding is the first and, and, and very important thing to do. But as we know, faith is more than words, right? 
So wisdom's going to be more than just understanding God's ways. But we're going to start there. If I want to truly be wise, you must start by deeply understanding God's ways. And here's the truth that I'm sorry you cannot get away from. Truly understanding God's ways, it, it takes discipline. It takes study. You know, it takes, it takes reading. It takes note-taking. I see some doing that this morning. It takes mentoring. You know, it takes time in prayer. It takes time alone with God. It takes humility. You can't call yourself wise in God's ways if you're not willing to commit to understanding his ways. You know, it's more than just what we've learned at Sunday school growing up. It, because, listen, the depth of God's ways, you could study that every day until you finished here on this earth and you still won't know I don't even want to put a percentage on it. You know, like 20% or something. It, it, it takes a life of it. If you want to be wise in God's ways, we have to actually do the work. It sounds like I'm saying you have to sit around reading the Bible and reading books all day and listening to sermons, which, okay, those things will help, and that's what, what I do somewhat. <laughs> but for some of you, you're thinking, well, that makes me feel ill right now sitting there having to read for hours a day so that I know God's ways. We live in an amazing time where you don't have to do it that way. You can still know God's ways. You know, the Bible reads itself to you now. And you have time traveling to work, in the car, whatever it is, on the train, in the bus, to hear someone literally read the word to you. If you're not a reader, this is an amazing thing. The word read to you. Remember when we were reading through all of the New Testament? I loved it having, well, I'd read at the same time, but having someone read it to me. Learning God's ways. But it takes going deeper than that. It's why we have small groups. We should be pulling apart the scriptures like we do on a Sunday morning and trying to you know, find the gold nuggets in there and understanding the context. And you know, what's, what's the author trying to say here? Who is he writing to? And all those sorts of things. Learning God's ways is something that every Christian has to do. And we can't just push that aside and hope for the best. You will never be wise in God's ways if you don't do those things. There is, by the way, you can have your choice of preacher these days, can't you? You know, the amount of podcasts and YouTube channels and whatever that you want to listen to, I recommend you pick orthodox um, teaching people who are well-respected. You know, there's a, there is a lot of loose theology out there you have to be careful of. If you're unsure, you can ask for my opinion, but um, hopefully you see me as, as orthodox and trustworthy. But, you know, the Bible is full of warnings about bad teaching. It's all out there as well. So don't just take everybody's word for it. That's why, actually, quite frankly, listening to sermons is great, but you should be reading the Bible yourself so that you can judge what they're saying and evaluate it. Maybe judge was the wrong word. Maybe you can evaluate what they're saying for yourself. You hear what I'm saying? You want to be wise in God's ways? Then uh, as a Christian, you're, you're kind of signing up to that, saying, I'm going to commit to knowing more of God. This point is for everyone. Know God, know his ways. That's the first thing. The second thing, uh, uh, there is a second step, sorry, to true wisdom and it comes from a humility that is willing to reflect on my emotional maturity, my actions, and my experiences. I did change that point, and I forgot to update it. Sorry, Natasha. 
Uh, as I was thinking about through, through this last night, I really want to add in that word there, emotional maturity, because actually this is connected to wisdom. In verse 13, it, it's, again, it said, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. James says humility comes from wisdom, and it does, but I just think the two are so well connected. I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, wisdom also comes from humility. I think we need to start from this point. Humility is, is a key driver of a truly wise and godly person. You know, humility is it's a meekness, a modesty, not seeing myself as better than others, a willingness to put others first, to not blow our own trumpet, you know, to, to be willing to accept I may not be right, to listen to others' point of view, to not take myself too seriously. You know, I'm not saying that you have to be introverted. I'm not saying you have to take a back seat. Humility is not being walked over or taken advantage of. Humility is not not speaking up. Okay, that, those things, that's not what humility is. It's the opposite, though, of pride and self-interest. And pride and self-interest, quite frankly, if there's pride and self-interest right here, it's going to sabotage godly wisdom all the time. It's going to sabotage it. The reason humility is part of godly wisdom, and I just think this is so important, is because wisdom comes from this willingness to self-reflect, a willingness to reflect on my actions, a willingness to reflect on my experiences, a willingness to consider what are my weaknesses, what are my blind spots, you know, where's, is there any sin in me? A willingness to give Jesus the access to go deep beneath the surface in our lives. This is why I say humility is important because we can't be wise to other people if we can't be wise to ourselves first. If we can't be wise about ourselves first is probably a better way to say it. You know, to see the true, the true me. I hope you see what I mean. When, Jesus, when James says humility and wisdom are, are connected, it's because a wise person is also an emotionally mature person. I can be wise about right, right decisions. We usually think of wisdom as making right decisions, don't we? Making good choices. Wise person. Hey, if I can't know about myself and make good, and make good decisions about my own life, then I'm not a wise person for others to come to. Unless you can go deep enough into your character and honestly see the things for what they really are, to see yourself for, you know, for who you really are, the good and the bad, then we're just going to lack that wisdom. If you can be honest about yourself, allow Jesus to be honest about yourself and challenge those areas in your life, then you're opening yourself up. That, I think that that true wisdom, that godly wisdom, will start to flow in your life more and more. Out of humility comes wisdom, and out of wisdom are actions and deeds that James has been talking about for seven weeks now. The honourable life that brings glory to God and honours what he has done for us. Which brings me to point three. True wisdom is revealed in these actions and deeds. You know, this point I feel like is in every sermon because that's James. So verse 13 again. If you are wise and understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works. You know, it's not enough to just know stuff and be able to sprout off all your amazing knowledge of God's ways. It doesn't make you a wise person. It doesn't even make us a Christian if we're reading James properly. The only way to prove your wisdom is, is the evidence of how that knowledge has changed you and the evidence, you know, 
James listed, lists a whole bunch of things, doesn't he, about what that would look like in the person who's wise in God's ways and, and knowledge of him. Here's the things that he listed in that passage we read earlier. I wonder if you saw them. The first one was understanding, which we've already covered, being honourable, humble, uh, pure. He mentions gentle or gentleness. He says, um, be submissive to others. You know, this is, I, I've done a whole sermon on that one. That one is so important for us Christians. You know, it's never a one-way street, by the way, submission. That's, that's not Christian submission. It's being willing to submit to each other you know, in relationships, whatever they are. Being willing to not have to always be right. He also mentions uh, not showing favoritism. That was a sermon from a couple of weeks back. No, you know, no bias, no discrimination, no racism. You know, none of those things are in the life of a, of a believer. He mentions being merciful. He mentions good deeds. You know, these are the things that flow from a wise person who knows God's ways. On the other hand, lack of wisdom, there's a few outcomes that James mentions as well in that passage. He talks about selfishness, boasting, untruthfulness, and jealousy. Some of the things, they might not sound like you, but sometimes we have to look at those words really hard and think, well, is there any of those things in me? You know, maybe you think, oh, I'm not really a jealous person, but we have to look at everything in life. Is there anything that triggers jealousy? Is there anything that we're not, you know, untruthfulness extends all the way to your tax returns. It goes all through life. It's in everything. James says these things are earthly. They're unspiritual. And again, he even says, remember that the word he used was demonic? Those kinds of deeds are influenced by Satan himself, and that's how ungodly they are. Verse 16 says the outcomes of that kind of living is disordered division, and you know, there's harm and abuse and suffering that comes from those things. The outcomes of godly wisdom and all of its associated actions, according to James, he says right at the very end of that passage, is, a, um, is peace and a harvest of righteousness, you know, a harvest of good. Is what comes out of a, a godly, wise person. I just want to have a little side note about this idea of, of peace. Because it's important to know keeping the peace, it's not just about stopping the wars and, and arguments. You know, those things, we don't want those outcomes. Keeping the peace is not ignoring problems or difficulties. You know, if you've got that stuff in your family, in your organisation, if it's even in the church, keeping the peace is not pushing aside difficult things and hoping nothing bad happens. That's not actually a peacemaker, by the way. Running away from those things, they will always come back probably worse. You know, sweeping things under the carpet is not peacemaking. Ignoring the elephant in the room is not peacemaking because if we don't lovingly confront our difficulties and our conflicts, even with us, whether it's blind spots or someone else's, they almost always blow up later and they, you know, they destroy families, they destroy organisations, they destroy churches. So letting those things just go because you think that's keeping the peace, you're not actually keeping the peace. Peace-loving is not just stopping arguments. Peace, in the context that Jesus and James often talk about, is not avoiding or shutting down 
problems at any cost. The piece most often used in the Bible, the Hebrew word for it is shalom. Has anyone heard that, that word? Shalom, everyone thinks that it just means peace. It has a much deeper meaning than that. It, you know, it's not just about no conflict. It means wholeness. Shalom means wholeness. It actually means healing. It means completeness. It means harmony. You know, this, this is the kind of peace that comes from God that we are sowing when we are wise in God's ways and living his ways. Imagine if the entire church around the world, you know, the hundreds of millions who knew the ways of God so well that we lived out, you know, that, that shalom in the world. Peace, wholeness, completeness. Perhaps that's what Jesus meant about his kingdom, you know, when he prays that prayer or he tells us to praise that prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's shalom in our, in our neighborhood. It sounds like a slice of heaven to me. So what kind of wisdom do we have today? Is it the worldly wisdom that is about advancing my own selfish desires or is it God's wisdom that brings you know, that peace, that, that harvest of righteousness? Point four, true wisdom is not just about knowing what to do. It's about changing who you are. When we think of wisdom, we think of making the right decisions and that's true, but it's mostly about the right decisions that should ultimately reflect Jesus. It's the decision to be more generous. It's generous. It's the decision to help the vulnerable. You know, the, the word talks about the orphan and the widow. They're the examples that, they, that the writers use to talk about all the vulnerable and needy in our society. You know, just think of people that, like the lonely and the addicted, perhaps, in our current culture. It's the decision to deal with the pride in my life, the decision to deal with any form of bias or favoritism or discrimination that might lurk in my heart. It's the decision to put the effort into my walk with Jesus through self-discipline, through surrender, quite frankly. It's the decision to put others ahead of my selfish ambition. It's the decision to work hard at loving those who are hard to love and to honour God through living a life of holiness and purity. These are the decisions of a wise person who follows Jesus because they're the decisions that change us to be more like him. That's wisdom. That's a wise person when you think that person, that they remind me of, what, of Jesus. They're a wise person. So who wants more godly wisdom today? You have to do it louder. <laughs> good. I've got good news. Yes, you've got to put in the discipline and hard work. I've given you four points on that. But God stands ready to help you. That's our God. He calls us to... Follow him with everything we have and he's there to pour into you everything you need. Point five is true wisdom comes from humbly submitting to God and asking for more of him. Because right back at the beginning of James, in chapter 1, verse 5, he said, If you need wisdom, ask. Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And he won't rebuke you for asking. You know, God is generous with wisdom. That's what I'm getting out of that verse. He's generous with it. Big Dollops of wisdom, ready to come our way. He stands ready to change my heart and my mind where we need it the most. And so I just invite you in faith today, ask for wisdom like James says. You know, like Solomon did. What was the one thing that pleased God the most was when James didn't ask for wealth and riches. He just asked for his, God's wisdom in him.
It's an awesome thing to ask for. So I'm going to pray for us all today. And I'm going to invite you to be prayed for even afterwards by the prayer team if you want extended prayer. You know, they're here to pray for you for any needs you have. But if you want to be prayed for wisdom, godly wisdom in a particular area in your life or in general, God, I want to be wise in your ways. I want it to reflect in how I live. Get that prayer today. I ask you to do it. They'll pray for you. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me now. And I'm going to invite you just to pray in your own hearts as I do too. Lord, we come before you now. We've opened your word. We've seen in there your desire or your call for us to understand you and know you more, to live a life, Lord, that reflects you, to be wise here on the inside and to reflect that outwardly. God, I pray that for all of us this morning, that your Holy Spirit will invade our hearts and change us to be more like you, God, that we would know you that we could make the choices, Lord, that you, the wise choices, Lord, that you want us to make to live for you. God, I pray that. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts today in that way. God, your, your word gives the promise. You said, if we need wisdom, ask you because you're generous and that you will give us wisdom. So this morning, Lord, for everyone standing here, praying this prayer along with me, I pray for your wisdom now in our minds and in our hearts. Fill us this morning, God, we pray, that we would know how to live for you, to make wise choices, all the way from how we, um, we live our life to how we love and serve others, those kinds of wise choices. Lord, I, I pray for that this morning. And we know you won't rebuke us for asking. We know, Lord Jesus, that this is something that you desire in us. We hold on to these words this morning, and God, I, I just, I'm going to receive them in faith now. I want to leave here today, God, knowing that we've asked and that you have answered, Lord, that this morning that we would know more of your wisdom in our life. God, help us now to steward it for your purpose, for your kingdom's purpose, for your glory, Lord, for, for blessings in your kingdom not so much in ours, Lord. We pray that you would put us to good use, that we would be good and faithful servants. Thank you that you are a generous God. Amen. Amen.